Welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today we are joined by Jess Holgrave, Head of Crypto GTM and Strategy at Checkout.com. At Checkout.com, their mission is to enable businesses and their communities to thrive in the digital economy. For Jess, that means helping them to thrive in the world of crypto and Web3, whether they are crypto native or crypto nascent. She is here today to share her story and some of the learns along the way. Welcome, Jess. It's great to have you. Hi, Nadia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. Thank you. So tell us a bit more about your role at Checkout.com and what that actually looks like. So Checkout.com is a global payment services provider. Um, we provide the capability for our merchants to accept fiat payments. So those might be card payments or alternative payment methods. And we facilitate things like payouts. So when a merchant wants to send payments to cards or to, or to bank accounts. Um, we've been doing that since 2012 and we're a company of about 2000 people now in 20, 223 offices around the world, I should probably know that. And we count amongst our merchants sort of um, a whole range of, of things from fintech companies like Curve and Wise through to um, e-commerce businesses, retail businesses, and also crypto. Um, and crypto is something that I have um, personally been in for since 2015 and just adore the innovation that takes place in this space. Um, and so that's what I kind of focus on at checkout. And crypto for us is almost two things at checkout too. Number one, it's an industry vertical for us. And so we process fiat payments for many of the world's leading exchanges, for on and off ramps, for crypto marketplaces and other kind of partners in the space. Um, and we are also really focused right now on thinking about how this is a technology rather than the cryptocurrency itself, but how this as a technology is going to change the landscape for payments because crypto has sort of long been heralded as a technology that can facilitate better, easier, cheaper, faster payments using blockchains. And we believe that there's real possibility there. And so as a payments company that is you know, tech forward, that's always tried to be at the cutting edge of, of payments technology, we now have invested in and built a product team and an engineering team that's focused on crypto payment products, not just for our crypto merchants, but thinking about just more broadly how the payments landscape is going to evolve. And so I have this most amazing job where I sort of sit across both of those domains, thinking about payments products for crypto merchants and crypto products for all of our other merchants, working really closely with Mark Fernandez, who heads up the product side, Max Rothman, who heads up the commercial side. And, and really, the three of us spend a lot of time together thinking about how we can really innovate, really support the crypto industry. And I love what I do every day. Your passion really shines through. Like I, I love how you said um, you adore the innovation that yeah. is um, so wedded to the world of crypto. And I suppose the speed in which it's constantly changing. But, you know, the way you've explained how we can change our perception of it, but also change what we can do with it, which is really empowering. Tell us like your journey to crypto, because you mentioned there, like you began in crypto, like before I even knew the word crypto, 2015, right? 
Yeah, so I kind of came to crypto through friends who had been interested in the space. When I was an undergrad student, I'd written a paper on the history of monetary systems. So I'd studied economics and was a bit of a kind of geek in that regard. I then spent the first bit of my career in investment banking and in private equity. So when I learned about crypto, I was just like really interested in this as an asset class from an investment perspective, but also as this, the, the emergence of like a new monetary possibility. So I learned about Bitcoin, learned about, you know, other things going on in the space and, you know, very quickly realized that this was something that really, really interested me and excited me. So I left the the world of kind of more traditional finance and in the crypto space, I was really just super interested in kind of what was happening kind of at the cutting edge at the experimentation phase and i have a lot of friends who are artists and i wrote i did another master's degree in art business and i wrote my thesis on the applications of blockchain technology for the art world now of course that's everywhere and and you know we've got nfts everywhere and all the big auction houses are selling crypto art and things like that but back then you know i really had a lot of conversations with people just explaining to them what crypto was before you know you could get into conversations about what it might do for the art world so did that had a company that we started that was focused on nfts a social impact project focused on on women's education in the space and you know, then also became involved in, in kind of a number of other initiatives, doing some investments and things like that. So when the opportunity to join Checkout came about three years ago, my original role there was as chief of staff. So it wasn't crypto specific, but I was, Checkout has, has had already been processing for the crypto industry and it was fintech and, you know, so it was something that really excited me. Um, and I spent two years in that role, but I really missed crypto, missed the people that I was, you know, interacting with and, over the last few years, we've really seen the possibilities of crypto kind of come to life. These like real world use cases that can have meaningful change that have been promised for a long time, but like we've actually sort of seen them come to life. And so when the opportunity came earlier this year to have a role where all I could focus on was crypto, I grabbed it with two hands. Brilliant to hear that journey. It's never a straight line, is it? It's it's always sort of weaving. And it's just amazing the, the dissertations that you wrote at the time that you wrote them. Like now it's all sort of mainstream conversation, but at the time you wrote them, it definitely wasn't. I remember reading a book probably around that time called The Ascent of Money. It made me think of that when you were talking about your dissertation and how much you loved you know, the history of money, which, which I was fascinated by too yeah. at that time. Yeah, um, that's a very good, very good book by Niall Ferguson for anyone who's mm. listening. And just a real, really good introduction to how money works because a lot of people don't understand it. And it's not to say that everyone should, but I think like it's increasingly important in the world that we live in to like be educated about this from like a personal perspective, from a political perspective. So yeah, great recommendation. Yeah, great memory for who wrote it as well. So just through your career, I know that we've spoken before about the environments that you've worked in and just all the different environments across the sector of financial services. There's really you know, quite extreme differences in what's happening in financial services at the moment. And I just wanted for you to share what you've noticed between each of those sectors that you've worked in the environments, the cultures, some of the lessons we can take from that? Yeah, so I think, look, there's there's some similarities across all of these, and then there's also some differences. One of the similarities that probably doesn't come as a surprise to a lot of people is that they 
whether it's new fintech or traditional fintech, you know, traditional finance, often very male dominated, quite homogenous groups of people who work in them, similar backgrounds. And for me, as I, especially when I kind of just left university, that was quite hard to navigate. And one where, you know, looking around me, I couldn't see senior women. <laughs> so it was hard to, to sort of like picture myself as that person because you just didn't have the visibility of of what was there i think in fintech that's getting better check out our executive team is 50 percent women senior leadership level we have a good number of women we're not 50 percent, but we have a good number of women and so increasingly there are those role models there but gosh would i have loved to have seen some more super senior firepower women that I could have looked up to when I just left. Absolutely. I think that there is, in terms of the differences, one of the, the main differences and one of the reasons why I absolutely adore working in fintech and crypto and like really struggle, I think, to go back to traditional finance is that I find crypto very much more like meritocratic. It's a place where like if you want to do things, you can do it. You can just like go ahead. It's not about like how long you've been there. It's not about sitting in a particular position for three years and then getting a promotion and then sitting in the next position for three years and kind of slowly working your way up. There is so much to do, so much to build, so many problems to solve that the industry is incredibly receptive of people who just like work hard and get stuff done. And I really like that because it frustrates me to see people succeed just because they've been there for a long time. When you see other people maybe making more of a difference, but because they're younger or they don't have the same background, like they don't have that same opportunity. So I love that fintech is, is more meritocratic than traditional finance. Is there still a long way to go? Absolutely. Can we be more representative? A hundred percent. But for me, that's one of the most exciting things about working in fintech is that it's full of people from all sorts of different backgrounds, from all sorts of different experiences, different work experiences. And I think what that ultimately means is that we build better technology. This isn't just about like ticking the numbers and wanting to have like good representation. If you're building technology, particularly financial technology that has the potential to like really disrupt existing systems, then like you got to make sure that you're building it well. And we have this opportunity with crypto to rebuild, I think, some of the financial systems that we have today that fundamentally don't work for a lot of people. They work for, for the few. And so if we're, what we're trying to do is do something different, it's really important that we have that representation around the table. I'm so glad you've shared that because it's just so important that we keep reiterating that within within the sector, but also externally to the sector, that it's about being representative of the many and not the few. And, you know, crypto suffered its own demons with the perception of crypto, the reality of the percentages of, of male to female on the gender front, let alone the ethnic minority front. I think it's brilliant the way that you've shared your experience and what's been built at checkout because it's not the general perception of crypto and and you know checkout existing in the way that it does you and your role how you've just described how people can progress within the business this is not what people see it as and I know that crypto is continually evolving environments and cultures so I just wanted you to share some of your thoughts on that constant evolution 
Yeah, look, I think it's funny. I, the other day, somebody asked me what crypto would look like in 10 years time. And the answer that I gave was, I think we're kind of going to stop talking about crypto in the way that today, nobody calls themselves an internet entrepreneur or an internet business because the internet is just ubiquitous, right? We have different businesses built upon it. We've got different technologies that support it, different technologies that are enabled by it. You know, we can all do gaming from our mobile phones because of the internet, but like we don't really think about the fact that that's facilitated by the internet. And I think kind of crypto as an industry is evolving to that point now where it's not just about like these assets that individuals or institutions use for investment speculation. Like that is there, that was a very like, core part of the industry and it still is but the use cases of this technology have really expanded beyond that into identity and art and nfts and tracking of diamonds and tracking of like cocoa beans around the world like there is just so many different use cases of this thing that we call crypto that i think what we're going to start seeing is people just talking about like what they're actually building and what it does. Crypto will always exist as this like asset class, but actually the whole space will evolve to a point where like most of us will be interacting with this technology and maybe not even knowing it, just will be given a better experience because of it. And so I think when you ask about like, how does this space then evolve from the pers perspective of like somebody working in it, the opportunities now are just so vast that you don't need to go somewhere that you feel like is just oriented to this like very specific use case or is just oriented to a specific community. If you're an artist, you can find artists, communities. If what you want to do is build social impact things, you can find those projects that are being enabled by crypto. There's something for everyone. There's also different roles, you know, like the industry is now so big that we need the, we always have, but now more than ever, we need marketers, communication people. We, we obviously need engineers and products. We need HR people who understand the space. We need, you know, there is something for everyone. And so if what you're interested in is this technology, no longer do you have to go, okay, I'm gonna go to like a crypto exchange and that's my only option and, I'm, and I need to be technical in order to be able to do it. You can say, what is my skill set? What am I passionate about? And you can find something that is like being facilitated and, and enabled by crypto technology. That for me is, is really exciting because by bringing all these different people into the space, not only are we contributing to what's being built today, but we're also like starting to break down the barriers for what we might build tomorrow, which we don't even know yet. But the only way we're going to build like amazing, cool, new, innovative things is if we've got great people in the space. And so this like opening up for me is, is really important. And then when you talk about like some of the negative things that are happening and look, let's be honest, this year has been very difficult for the space in terms of hacks, in terms of unbelievably poor behavior by some individuals, in terms of the number of like retail investors and, and users who have been scammed or who've lost money and so like there is this real like trust issue that we all need to work harder on we all need to be better educated we all need to educate other people more but i you know for me that's that is this noise and it's incredibly sad and incredibly frustrating but i have to focus on like the innovation because ultimately that i think is what's going to prevail 
Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you for talking so honestly about it, because it's so important that, that we do share the good, but also the challenges, the challenges that we face. And, you know, that build is, is so much around the trust that it needs to be worked on and I think the way that you've explained it is is really helpful and you know this podcast itself whenever I introduce it I always say we're here today to walk the talk for change we're here to talk about the challenges we're here to talk about the opportunities and that walk the talk phrase is one I fell in love with years ago because it's about tangible action and what I really like is to ask people about their journeys their challenges but also what their advice would be like their tangible advice for other people following them within the industry. So, you know, when, when we look at the the gender imbalance, for example, and um, we think about women within this space or wanting to get into this space, what sort of tangible things would you advise for them to be doing to make a difference? So, firstly, I think if there was such a thing as like investment banking, Twitter, when I'd left university, like for me, that would have been this amazing asset. And now we have this thing, crypto Twitter, right? And there's a lot of noise there. But it's also this amazing place to go and find people with whom you have like a shared interest and a shared passion. You should also look for people who have different opinions to you as well, but you can find people who you can look up to, you can find role models. And and so number one, I think, figure out what, what is exciting for you. Use Twitter, use podcasts, use this, the internet that like has given us so much to find the people who can inspire you. Because I think like getting that inspiration is incredibly important and having a role, having a role model or role models that you can look to and go, actually, I could do that. I can be like that is really important. The second thing I think is be brave because making a change, entering a new industry, going into a new job is always really hard, but It's very rare, actually, that I've ever met people who've said, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I left traditional finance for fintech and I wish I hadn't. Partly maybe because those doors don't close and you can always go back. But actually, like nobody ever goes back, right? They love what they do and it's a big leap. And so if it's something that people are thinking about, I can't say more than to just like be brave and take a risk because those changes are often kind of some of the most rewarding actually and we talked earlier about my kind of winding career where like I've just been like very opportunistic about things that have come my way I've been incredibly fortunate and I attribute a lot of that success or whatever it is to being lucky but I've also just like grabbed those opportunities and I'm really grateful to have had some of those chances so be brave and then like thirdly try to, once you're making that change, like bring other people along with you. You don't have to do it along on your own. You can find other people who are going through those changes. Podcasts like these are great ways to like learn and talk to your friends about these things. Find other people who can inspire you because there's nothing better to like get up every day and be super excited about what you do. But most of that is actually enabled by the people around you. Like. Very few people are just purely interested in the code, although like maybe that's interesting or like the economics, maybe that's interesting. But like for most people, this is a people thing. And so find the people that you love to work with, bring them along, learn together, because that's ultimately what's going to bring us better talent into the industry as well. That's such great advice. And because you've given lots of pieces of advice, I can imagine that different people will be able to to take on different things of what you've just shared there, which is so, so useful. 
and you know this whole conversation around people within this industry for me it's not just about attracting people to this space but really I, I know you described your career as you know like winding but you know really like growing their career within this space and what I think is so fascinating is sort of where people go with it no longer is it the time where whatever your degree was meant that that's what you'd specialize in it's so many opportunities and for me and um, people growing their careers within this sector it's about us being inclusive for all people within this sector and I believe everybody is responsible for that in the workplace that isn't just somebody in HR or the DEI champion of the business or the CEO but actually every single person is responsible for that so my final question is what would be your call to action to people listening to this on how they can affect and what more they could be doing to build workplace inclusion? Firstly, I 100% agree that we all have this responsibility, right? Like A, it's not easy and B, it's not one person's job to fix it. In terms of a call to action, I think so much is just about being mindful. There are so many people, I've met so many incredible allies, champions, mentors along the way who deeply care about inclusion, deeply care about diverse representation in business, but, you know, say, okay, well, I don't know what to do. Right. And yes, there are tangible things like making sure that we have more than two women on short lists for positions. If you only have one woman, the chance of them being hired is almost zero. As soon as you have two or more, the chance goes up. And so like, let's make sure that we are interviewing diverse candidates. Let's make sure that when we're going to search for, you know, a new leader, we're, we're telling our recruitment partner, diversity is important to me. Can we find some diverse candidates here? And also like, I'm okay if the search takes a little bit longer, I really want to prioritize this. So there are some kind of tangible things. There are also very tangible things that we can do, not just around hiring, but about people who are already in the workplace, whether that's around flexible working for people who have other commitments, whether it's just about how we conduct a meeting and give space for people who might otherwise not speak up in those meetings, call out the actions that we don't want to see and model the actions that we do want to see. And so there are all of these tangible things, but I think that my biggest call to action is that we all need to kind of internalize that we have this responsibility and we have to show up every single day to do it. We don't do this by doing a course or by, you know, once in a while calling something out. We do this by like being and living what we want to see and bringing other people up when we do that. You're so right. It, it is actually just making that decision in your mind that this is my responsibility. The minute that light switch is switched on, yes. actually, we're all so creative when we care and when we want to do something that we'll find the solution. It's just realizing that it is our responsibility. So thank you for sharing all of that, because it's just so powerful hearing it from you, someone who is walking the talk every day in your industry and I've loved hearing your journey and how you've got to the heights that you're at and for us to give a, a book recommendation as well is super exciting so thank you for joining me today on the women of fintech podcast series thank you very much for having me